As we come together on this important day of our church calendar, take a moment with me to imagine that original Good Friday some 2,000 years ago. It was the day when everything changed. The disciples had believed that their friend Jesus was more than just a rabbi and prophet. They had believed that he was none other than the Son of God, the the long-awaited-for Messiah, the one who the Scriptures had long prophesied would come and free the Jewish people from their oppression and sin. Jesus was very much the bringer of the kingdom of God, the one who would inaugurate a new reign of God's presence on earth that would vanquish all evil and bring all people into a place of shalom and prosperity. He was a conquering king, a victorious lord. He was the one who was about to restore Israel to its right and proper place. And then, Jesus was arrested. Imagine the very real human emotions they all would have had on that very first Good Friday. Confusion, bewilderment, pain, grief, anger, frustration, fear, doubt. These are the emotions of that first Good Friday. And I wonder if that sounds familiar to all of us right now in this moment of life. Think about it for a moment. Those emotions are not foreign to us in this time, are they? Each one of us have felt a a whole range of emotions over the past few years, even in the past few months. We are familiar with the confusion, the anger, the frustration, and the doubt. We know what it is to be disappointed, to be isolated, to be in a place of need, to to feel overwhelmed. In fact, I believe it is in the pain of that first Good Friday that we are offered this year an invitation into a process by which we may all just find a little bit more hope, a little bit more good, if you will. That is what this podcast is all about for you. I want to take you on a journey over this podcast that will bring you into the depths and the power of that first Good Friday in order to best prepare you for the wonder of that first Easter morning. This podcast is structured in a way to invite you into times of listening, reflection, lament, and prayer. There's also a set time aside for you to take communion. Through scripture, poem, worship, liturgy, and story, we're going to walk together to the foot of the cross where you can open yourself afresh to what the Holy Spirit might want to do in your life in this moment. This is now our Good Friday, where the horror and pain of the cross meets the profound mystery of the forgiveness and mercy of God. May you be unsettled, challenged, comforted, healed, and ministered to as you listen. And may we begin in prayer. Holy and ever-living God, look graciously on this, your family, for which our Savior, Jesus Christ, was willing to be betrayed and to suffer death upon the cross. We cannot fully fathom the pain of that moment, the choice to grasp love and bring it to the door of death through the flow of blood over weathered nails. But we are now your Good Friday people, a community forgiven, a community restored. So as we come to this time of reflection and quiet, we do so with honor and gratitude and voice. 
and ask that you meet us once more in our sin, so we can meet you once more in the freedom of forgiveness. Come and draw near to your wounded and loved, and grant us to grow into the fullness of new life in Christ, who is now alive and glorified with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. On the Cross by R. R. Wyatt The sound of hammer on nail still reverberates around the hill. As your head sinks to your chest, your last breath gone, and a single raindrop falls. A tear from God as his son gives way and leaves his sight. The tortured bloody frame hanging in shame, a victim of our iniquity. The sky blackens and seethes as the rain begins to fall, cleansing the torn, limp body, washing it clean, sluicing the blood to the earth. A crack of thunder resounds and the gathered scatter of fear. Just a few remain, bearing witness to a beloved's death, yanked with indignity from the wood. And the storm in its ferocity wails, cracking deep the temple in rage, with a grief profound as truth, as the lamb slain is taken to a tomb. For a while. Our first reading is taken from Psalm 22, verses 1 to 8. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Our second reading is taken from Matthew 27, verses 32 to 50. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There, they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. 
When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed a written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's a king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him, for he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. I wonder if we can take a moment together to reflect around these two passages of Scripture that we've just heard read. Jesus, in his most painful and desperate moment, cries out from the cross the opening words of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are the very last words that Matthew records for us that Jesus speaks before he gives up his spirit and enters into death in order to overcome it with the power of resurrection. I want you to think on that for a moment. Jesus' last words, of all the amazing and important things that he could have said in that moment, are a connection to a psalm where the poet cries out in pure and utter honesty before God about the pain of isolation and the disorientation that he is feeling. See, I think we often overlook this important moment of the Good Friday story. In Jesus' last breath, he connects us to the beautiful gift of lament. The lament psalms, of which Psalm 22 is a part, are prayers in which the psalmist openly acknowledges distress, sorrow, suffering, and the need for rescue and relief. They are honest reflections on an important and shared human reality, that life can be dark, painful, disorientating at times. No doubt we have all felt this way in the past few years as we have battled a pandemic and fast-changing political realities here in Hong Kong. Life is not all roses and unicorns, and the Lament Psalms invites us into the acknowledgement that either individually or collectively, things are not as they should be. They invite us to consider the reality of human despair and honor the communal need that we have to grieve, not only for our own deeper well-being, but as faithful response to the experience of being human. Lament is a form of expression that gives us the ability to name our grief and to speak it out as a form of bearing witness to what we hope for and imagine for in our lives and the world. 
Lament boldly acknowledges the truth of a situation and in so doing creates the space that is needed for healing and restoration to occur. This is why Jesus uses lament in his final words. He was inviting us all into a practice that provides a reorientation towards a better future. Our hope is not found in ignoring our hardship or simply turning away from it. It is found in acknowledging it, naming it, and through that rising above it with the claim that God is not either distant or foreign to it. Part of what we celebrate on Good Friday is that Christ has completely identified with us in our suffering, even to death. On Good Friday, we hear again, Christ, pray the lament of Psalm 22. And in that, we remember how wondrous it is to have a Savior intercessor who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, suffering, and our grief. On Good Friday, we are invited to hear our own lament, find that own lament, and lament not to Jesus, but with Jesus. As is the case that without death there is no resurrection, so without honest lament, our Easter praise can become suspiciously shallow and light. When we honestly acknowledge pain and suffering and death in the world, then our wonder at the victory of the resurrection is that much greater. The best way to prepare for the unbounded praise of Easter Sunday is to enter fully into the painful but hopeful lament on Good Friday. Jesus' words of lament on the cross soon would connect deeply to the lament of the disciples as they struggled to come to terms with what had just happened to their friend. The confusion, bewilderment, pain, grief, anger, frustration, fear, and doubt found a home in those words of Psalm 22 and the cries for God to step in and change everything. Jesus understood the journey those disciples were about to go into and the overwhelming darkness that was about to descend on them before the glory of his resurrection would be revealed to them. His invitation to lament was an invitation into a process of transformation that would begin in the exasperation of suffering and conclude in the choir of joy. Death was about to be defeated. Sin was about to be overcome. Lament would journey the disciples into death so they could journey with Jesus into new life. And so it is also for us. Lament is a gift not just for that first Easter, but for everyone ever since. And perhaps I feel all the more so this year. There is so much that we could lament over in our world and our city right now. There is so much that we could lament with Jesus about. We do so not so that we can wallow in our suffering and pain, but so that we can name it, so that we can say what is in the darkness, and we can bring that darkness into the light. We do so so we can boldly acknowledge not just what is wrong, but also what needs to be right. We do so so we can be a people of hope planted around a people of despair. This is indeed the good of Easter Friday. The moment when Jesus lamented for the sin of the world, separated himself from the comfort of his Father, and took on his shoulders the weight of all of our sin and became a sacrifice for us all through the shedding of his innocent blood. Easter Friday is good because it is in this moment when God refused to turn away from our broken world and instead embraced its brokenness in order to ultimately heal and redeem it. Jesus, in other words, was not just speaking a lament on the cross, he was becoming one, a body broken for us, a blood shed for us, so that we would be able to acknowledge our own sin and be freed from it. So may I invite us all into the place of lament today as we reflect together on the horror and the glory of the cross. 
May we lament for ourselves and for our world, knowing that in doing so we are lamenting with Jesus. And in our lament, may we discover the grace, power, and hope in a God who has overcome it all. We're going to take some time now to lament and pray, and we're going to use Psalm 22 as our guide. I want to invite you to use this guided scripture reading and prayer as a way for you to pray and connect with God in this moment. After each section of scripture reading, there is a set prayer that will be spoken, and then we give you space for you to bring your own prayer before God. I want to encourage you to take your time to do this. You can pause the podcast if you would like to pray for as long as you want before then starting into the next section. You can listen to the sections as many times as you want and pray as many times as you want. But let's do this all now together as we lament in order to be near Christ. Let us hear what the Spirit has to say. Let us pray. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Reconciling Christ, we are weighed down by sin and separation, a world that is not at peace, people who are not whole. You reached out to the thief. You welcomed him to God's side. Come alongside us in the darkness and bring grace and peace to everything that is broken. Take a moment to pray your own prayer of honesty before God and confess any sin you feel you need to bring to Him today. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Forgiving Christ, when the world condemns us, when wrong is done to us, when we carry the weight of things that are too much to forgive, Come alongside us in the darkness and give us the grace to be forgiven and forgiving. Take a moment to bring before God any areas of your life where you are seeking forgiveness or where you need to be forgiving towards others. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. 
Loving Jesus, we carry the weight of the people we love, concern for their sorrows and suffering. Our care for them is deep and sometimes there is not much we can do. Come alongside us in this darkness and cradle the ones we love in your strong hands. Take a moment to pray for the people in your life, your family, friends and colleagues, especially for those you know who are in need in this time. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey and open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Suffering Savior, in all our first, in all our sickness, in all our longing, in all our pain, you are here. Come alongside us in the darkness and walk with us through all our suffering. Take a moment to pray for any area of your life where you are suffering right now. Bring your emotions to God and allow Him to tenderly comfort you. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. Dearest Jesus, even in death you are there. When we mourn, when we are afraid, when we come to our own end, you have been there too. Come alongside us in the darkness and carry us through death to life. Take a moment to pray for any areas of healing or restoration you need. Bring before God any places of death in you and ask Him for His life. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. 
The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. Jesus of justice, we bring the poor before you, those who are marginalized, the hurting, the grieving. We ask you to fight with your mighty arm for those who cannot fight for themselves. We ask you to step into battle for those who are weak and oppressed. Come alongside them in their darkness and deliver the poor into your loving hands. Take a moment to pray for the poor and the oppressed in our city and around the world. Pray for those impacted by war, for those unjustly treated, for those who are in prison, for those who need God's deliverance. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Saving Jesus, thank you that the work of Good Friday and the power of the cross, which creates an invitation for all to be saved. Thank you that you reach out to the ends of the earth and you will for all to know your saving grace. Awaken the church to bring your message of hope. Rise up a new army to carry forth your gospel. Come alongside us in the darkness and empower us to shine your light. Finally, take a moment to pray for the salvation of anyone in your sphere of influence that you long to see come to Jesus. Pray for the gospel to shine brightly in Hong Kong and for many to come to faith in this hour. So as we sit here in the tension of Good Friday, here lies another opportunity to spend a few more moments in reflection as we listen to this song. It's titled True Love and it's written by author Phil Wickham. And this piece is helpful in further guiding our reflection by giving us a few snapshots of what that Friday would have looked like from heaven's perspective. You know, it highlights what the journey of the cross would have been in the grand narrative of scripture while echoing what the cross accomplished for you and for me and for all of creation. So take a moment, take a minute and allow yourself to feel each emotion that the imagery from the lyrics evoke and find yourself there again 
in that place where you're able to take in all that this Friday is meant to memorialize. Here is True Love by Phil Wickham.
So far together we have listened to scripture, to poetry, and a song. We have considered the beauty and the power of lament, and we have lamented in prayer together. Now as we draw our time to a close, may we come together around the most powerful symbol that we have of Good Friday itself, communion. Let us prepare ourselves to receive the Lord's body and blood. In the taking of communion, we are reminded that Christ is with us as he promised. We declare Christ's redemptive role in our lives through his death and resurrection, and we acknowledge our unity in the body of Christ. Father God, unto whom all of our hearts are open, all of our desires are known, and from whom no secrets are ever hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Christ's cross, the crucifix, is the revelation of the fact that we are loved totally by the one God, one God who knows us through and through. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that anyone who believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. Now, let us take this bread in our hands and remember what Jesus said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. May we take this bread now together. We are to remember that our Lord Jesus Christ, according to the promises made in the Old Testament, was sent from the Father into the world, that he assumed our flesh and blood, that he fulfilled for us all obedience to the divine law, that he, although he was innocent, was condemned to death so that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God, that he took upon himself the curse due to all of us so that he might fill us with his blessings, that he humbled himself unto death, even the bitter and shameful death of a cross, so that we might be accepted by God and never be forsaken by him. And finally, that he confirmed with the shedding of his blood the new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation when he said, It is finished. So now, let us drink this cup in our hands and remember what Jesus said. Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. So may we now drink the cup together. Let us pray. Father, we remember in this communion the perfect sacrifice offered once on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ for the sin of this world. In the joy of his resurrection and in the expectation of his coming again, we offer ourselves to you as holy and living sacrifices. Grant that, being joined together in him, we may attain to the unity of the faith and grow up in all things unto Christ our Lord. Through Christ Jesus. Amen.
We are often not the Easter people that we should be, living in the certain knowledge of your great mercy and love. Distracted by the world around us, we fail to hear your voice or hide when faith is challenged as we wander off the path. Forgive us, we pray. Restore the love that we first had, a faith that can endure. We will keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord, and with you at our right hand, we shall not be shaken. That is right. We will not be shaken. The lament of our Good Friday will soon turn to the praise of our Resurrection Sunday. Today we have taken time to reflect on our lives, to listen again to the story of the cross, to marvel at the sacrifice and embrace the painful reality of the cost that was paid. We have heard from God's word, from others, and from our own hearts. We have prayed, repented, and we've been encouraged. And we have done so through scripture, song, poetry, and prayers. Now we turn and face forwards. We turn towards the hope of resurrection and the power that comes in the outpouring of God's Spirit. We turn towards God and His love and in turn towards one another through that love. We are not kept in the darkness and emptiness of Saturday, but instead we are welcomed into the embrace of an empty tomb and an amazed group of disciples and the wonder of a risen King. May God be praised and may all of His people call on His name. In Jesus' name, everyone says, Amen.